Good morning. Good morning. All right. To get us started, I, I know all of you have probably certain things you remember about your father or sayings or things that dads say a lot. So uh, we're going to uh, watch a little video to get started here. I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow, and you've known about it for four weeks, and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey, can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch ten minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Mmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Money really does grow on trees. Well, happy Father's Day. Oh, I'll tell you what, uh, the phrases come into your mind about your dad. Uh, I want to, I, I lost my dad a, a few years ago, but I want to honor my dad. Here's a picture of him. And uh, my dad, uh, uh, he's the kind of, he sat out on the front lawn and uh, he knew everybody in town, and people would just pull up, go in and talk to him. They would get advice. I'd be, do things, you know, a common sense kind of a guy, kind of full of wisdom. And uh, uh, and so it's amazing how smart my dad got as I got older. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, but he did teach me so much, and so I am so thankful uh, that I had a good father. Uh, he taught me uh, a good... Uh, Work ethic. He taught me uh, to uh, enjoy life, and uh, uh, he taught me phrases like, you know, when you really didn't want to say something about somebody, but they were kind of, you know, they were odd. He would say, "They're turn funny." So if I ever say that towards you, that just means you're not normal, you know. Uh, they're turn funny. And so uh, I remember one time we were at a uh, deal. We just got finished with a church, and, and some guy had led singing. And my dad said. 
you know, that old boy, he's a pretty good songster. So, uh, you know, you learn ter- new terminology from your dad, right? And so I'm, I'm so honored that uh, uh, to get to talk about him a little bit and to get to honor him. I want to thank the Lord that I had a dad that took care of us as a family and raised us. And if, if you haven't told your dad, uh, thank you. Be sure you do that. Um, but there are also... Uh, uh, there are also Times that you need other kind of father figures in your life. I came here uh, to the school of preaching uh, at a good old age of 19 years old, and uh, this was on the uh, matter of fact. This is actually still up. If you go in the basement, which you shouldn't go in, but if you happen to wander through there, you'll see up above you this thing is still painted there. When we had a school of preaching here, a school of biblical studies here for 20 years, and trained men, and uh, uh, and I went through that school. And this was there. And so I learned real quickly, uh, even as I was graduating, I was going to need other people in my life. Now, there's a good uh, young picture. And you can tell this guy, he's going to, Carl, he's shaking my hand, but I'm sure he's saying, boy, are you going to need a lot of help, <laughs> you know. And uh, uh, so you do need those father figures uh, in, in your life, right? And so I want to talk about a couple of those uh, today. The first one I want to talk about is Bill Smith. Uh, Bill uh, uh, taught me, first and foremost, what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. See, I thought the gospel was everything in the Bible that I discovered was truth. Uh, but it's not. He, he taught me just with this simple little drawing that you see carved on our pulpit and you see around all over this church. That's the story of the death, burial, and resurrection story that God became flesh, came to this earth to die for my sins. That he was buried but rose out of that grave. His body came out of the grave. He went back to heaven to still help us now and one day he's coming back again. That is the story that changes people's lives. That's the story that changed my life. The Bible says in Romans 1, 16, it's the, it's the gospel, it's the power of God and the salvation. And so this story is what really all of a sudden turns people's hearts to say, God, what do you want me to do? In Acts 2, that message is preached and 3,000 people respond. What do you want us to do? He said, repent and be baptized. Look, repentance and baptism, that's not the gospel. That response is to the gospel. That's how man responds when he's heard this good news that's pricked his heart. Now, in Hebrews, uh, in the Hebrews passage, chapter 10, verse 22 through 24, he says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Now, I've got that highlighted because we're going to look at three things out of this passage with three different men that I've learned from about faith and about hope and about love. And faith definitely just fit Bill so much. Uh, in, in, the, in our Bible class, uh, in studying the book of Matthew, I thought, I am never going to memorize all this stuff, you know, that Bill gave us. And I thought, why is he dumping so much on us? And then why do we have to memorize an outline of every book, you know? Every time we study the book, we have to memorize an outline. And I remember his phrases were this, context, context, context. And so he learned, he, he taught me to, to learn. He taught me how to study. It wasn't teaching me necessarily things. It was more preparing me to where I could learn later on. 
And he also taught me not, not to be afraid to learn something new. And boy, do we ever need that. Because that's a difficult challenge. That's a challenge to our pride. It's a challenge to our own minds. You know, we get set in our ways and we don't want to change. But he taught me to learn and to, to keep on learning no matter how it is. I mean, if I find it in the Bible, believe it. In the Second Timothy chapter 2, it says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace. Got it? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When I first started preaching, I think I hollered and yelled and was strong in a hundred different things. But it wasn't grace. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses... Entrust to reliable or faithful people who will also be qualified to teach others. In Bill's teaching me about faith, it was never just about learning information for ourselves. It was always about learning information that we could give to other people who could pass it on to the next generation. It's always about evangelism. It's always about growing people. It's always about discipleship. So faith was a growing thing. It's something you initially have, but it's also something that grows and you add to things and you learn more Bible as you go and you learn how to treat people because the Bible affects your life. I'm so grateful that he taught me to never quit learning. I remember this phrase said time and time again by Bill. All truth is important, but not all truth weighs the same. I remember him saying that over and over again. And when I when he first said, it, I thought, what does that mean? All truth is important, but not. Well, then I then he then he showed us through the study of Matthew how that when Jesus said you did some of these things, but you left the weightier matters of the law undone. So guess what that means? There are some things that weigh more than others, right? Now we get that on the sin side. Someone steals my bicycle off the front porch, and that makes me mad, right? They've committed a sin. That makes me mad. That evokes a certain level of emotional reaction. You steal my kid, and that's a heavier thing, right? Well, you know, in the Bible, in truth, there are things that are heavier than others. And so that's why, that's why in essentials we have unity, in non-essentials, liberty, but in all things, love. Why? Because we recognize not all truth weighs the same. The gospel, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, is of first importance. That means other things aren't first. And I cannot elevate other truth to the same level as the gospel or I'm going to be in trouble. I'll start condemning people for everything I get disagreed with anywhere. And we kind of did that for a while. No, the gospel is first importance. We've got a couple of firsts. The great, greatest command, the first command, right? Love God and love others. And then you've got the gospel. You've got the, the greatest command and the great, great commission. That's what's first. Everything else falls under that. I'm so thankful for a father in the faith that passed on to me some things that changed my view 
of God and of other people and of the Bible. But then another father in the faith was Carl Allison. How many remember Carl always saying, the best is yet to come. I love Carl was the positive optimist always. Yeah. He always could see down the road. And so I couldn't help but when I thought of Carl, but to think of the word hope. Because Carl was always had that optimistic spirit. Hope. Back to our verse in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us draw nigh to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance of faith that faith brings. Let us hold unswervingly to the, say it with me, to the, say it with me, to the hope. Hope is an amazing word. Hope is what gets you through when a tough time you're struggling, yet you know there's something better because God promised it. That's hope. Hope is an expectation that something's going to happen. It's not hope like we it's used in the world. You know the, uh, uh, you know when the when the kids said, "Dad, I'm trying to be. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope I pass math." The dad said, "Son, you need to be more positive. Uh, need to be more positive." He said, "Dad, I'm positive. I failed math." <laughs> hope is you know it's there in the future. You're not a hope. You're not wishing something might happen. You know because of a promise God gave you. When God said Jesus is going to come back again and take you to be with you, that's a promise. You can count on it. And so I have hope in that. That's an expectation to be fulfilled. Hope. When you're struggling in physical sickness, you can still have hope because you know there's something better on the other side. Hope, when you planted the gospel in your kid's heart and his life, and, and he kind of gets off track for a while, yet you can have confidence in the word and the good news that's planted in their heart. Hope. Romans 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your peace? Sometimes that's because we lose our trust. But when we trust God and we trust the gospel, we trust what He said and what He's done for us, we can overflow with hope and through the power of the Holy Spirit, He lives inside of us as God's people. We have Him in us. That's full of hope. So many times Satan loves to sow the words in your life or in your heart, the seeds of discouragement. He loves for you to believe and to act on fear and to act on uh, instability and to wonder and to be scared and to worry all the time. Hope does away with that. Trust in God. Hope in Him. Let that overflow. Why can we do that? Because of the gospel. You know, Carl, as he got older, uh, couldn't hear very well. So one day, uh, somebody brought in a little cake at the office for somebody's birthday, and they put it in there, and so it was time that we're getting everybody there. And so Lori, she's kind of in a hurry, or she walks by the office, and she says, she said, Dad, there, there's, there's cake in the break room. And he jumped up and he said, a snake in the break room? 
You know, he was like, he's ready to go. He's mad enough, you know. I'll get up. <laughs> cake, Dad, cake. But he was always on the ready. Always set ready to do whatever needed to be done. I loved his enthusiasm. He had on his wall from the first day I ever walked in his office, he had a saying that comes from Henry Ford's fireplace motto on enthusiasm. First time I ever saw it, I asked Carl, I said, I want to make a copy of that. And ever since, I've, always, I've hung it on my wall. And it says this. You can do anything if you have enthusiasm. By the way, the word enthusiasm means God in you. Enthusiasm. You can do anything if you have enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is the yeast that makes your hope rise to the stars, the sparkle in your eyes, the swing in your gait, the grip of your hand, the irresistible surge of your will, and the energy to execute your ideas. Enthusiasts are fighters. They have fortitude. They have staying quality. Enthusiasm, it is at the bottom of all progress. With it, there is accomplishment. Without it, there is only alibis. And I thought, how true... How true that is of Carl. So he was one who really encouraged me, and I know he encouraged the brothers. And look, when you're a director of a school and all kinds of students are coming, they have 100,000 ideas, you know. And uh, to put it in my dad's word, we had a few guys in class that were turn funny. Um, I remember all of a sudden, I don't know why it was my class, because... Uh, but all of a sudden they decided that we're going to have a rule. We're going to start wearing ties. Uh, and uh, so Carl's explained to everybody about wearing ties. And so this one guy says, uh, well, uh, can I wear that with a turtleneck? Well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, what do you say to that? So then another guy came up with a T-shirt with a tie drawn on it. You know, I thought, Carl has to deal with all this kind of stuff all the time. I'm like, you know, good night. But Carl was always the optimist. He was always the one that pointed people with hope towards something better. Man, I'll never forget one time when I went on a trip to South Africa with Carl and Bill. And, uh, of course, I'm the young buck, and so uh, i got these wise guys going with me. And uh, the day before... Uh, we were leaving. We were going to be gone a long time. So the day before I left, I took Susan out. And I, that's what, like, what I usually did before going on a trip. We sat down. We went to the movies. I sat down in the movies. And when I started to get up, I couldn't get up. My back had just locked up like that. So I happened to meet, actually, I went into Walmart, happened to meet my doctor walking out. And he says, what is wrong with you? I said, Doc, I'm headed out of the country. He said, I can't, can you do something? He wrote a prescription for me. And uh, so I get to the airport the next morning, early on a Sunday morning, and I, I can't even carry my bag. Carl and Bill have to carry my bags. I, I really enjoy that, to be honest with you. Especially Bill. Uh, and uh, I, I know they're thinking, oh, no, we got, this, we got a young guy. We're thinking he's going to help us. We're having to help him. Great guys to travel with. Great guys who had respect of missionaries all around the world because they had one purpose together. To get the gospel into every nation. Every nation in their generation. That was the goal. And by the way, it's still the goal, right? Everything we do 
we do so with faith and with hope because we want to see people experience and understand what the gospel is and find out this thing about Jesus that they can have eternal life. Carl was a guy that said, you just keep on keeping on no matter what. You don't give up. I'm reminded of of a couple of guys named Jack Canfield and Mark Hansen who wrote a book. They had an idea for a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul. You ever heard of that? When they had that idea, they passed it by 77 publishers that said no. It was the 78th one that didn't reject it. And out of that, eventually sold over 100 million books. Would you have given up on 65 or 70? 78. You got to keep on keeping on, right? That's what hope does. That's what faith does. You just keep trudging along regardless of the rejections the world might have for you. You just keep on sharing the good news that you know it can change people's lives. Well, another guy that was a father in the faith to me was Ray Melton. Now, Gary Stevenson also would be, but, but you know, Gary uh, is closer to my age. He'd probably be offended if I said he was my father in the faith. But he, you know, he helped bring me to the Lord. Ray Melton, Ray Melton... My first uh, ministry job was, was Ray in Uvalde, Texas. And then, of course, Ray and I worked together here. How many of you remember Ray? Yeah, several of you right here. Yeah, Ray made a great impact, didn't he? And I'll tell you, uh, uh, Ray taught me some things. He taught me a lot of things. But one of the things he taught me was just love everybody. Ray had this unique ability to communicate and to connect with everybody. He, he, I don't care if you were a millionaire or if you owed a million, he connected with you the same. He had that unique ability. It didn't matter what kind of situation someone come out of. It didn't matter what color they were. It did not matter what socioeconomic system they came. It didn't matter. He could connect. And he always had a goal of loving folks and sharing the good news with them. The verse here back in Hebrews again. Let us draw near to God with a, a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. He understood the importance of genuinely loving everybody. And I saw that in action day in and day out with Ray. Did my first funeral with Ray. Now, he could have done it all by himself, but he was trying to, to raise me up. He's trying to train me. You know that Second Timothy passage. He's trying to pass on Information to somebody else that you can do this job. You can do this. We did our first funeral for someone who was had committed suicide. Ray walked me through that with him as we walked with this family, and I saw him love on people that 
and the deepest part of their heart was so broken. And he was broken with them. And I'll never forget the first funeral of a child. A mom and her little daughter were riding in a truck with another man. And all of a sudden the floods come in the hill country. In the hill country of Texas, when those floods come, it come like a wall down those hills. And it was just coming out through it and just washed that pickup truck right off the bridge. And it started tumbling and the mom got out and the man went to try to save the baby and he couldn't. And they both drowned. I will never forget standing with Ray as we stood with that mom to look at her little one. And I watched him love this family through an unbelievable tragedy and yet have words to say that still gave them hope. And I thought, man, I, I don't know that I can ever be like that, but I want to, you know. He taught me those kinds of things. He's my father in the faith and teaching me so many things about ministry. Remember some young guys came on a campaign. They knocked on the door and, uh, down there in New Valley. They baptized this young teenage guy. Well, we'd always tell them, look, you've got to go talk to parents. You can't just pull some kid out of a house, you know, and baptize. They're all, you know, zealous for the Lord, you know. Trying. And so this guy's dad was a... Texas Ranger, a famous Texas Ranger, and he didn't like it. So the next thing I know, here he comes walking in. He's, you remember, y'all remember how tall Ray was? I forget how, you know, six plus, right? I mean, he's way up there. And this guy's like that, and this guy walks in, and he is chewing out these young guys. He's got his hand on his gun like this on the side, and he is just, and they're looking, you know, of course, they're shorter. He's looking down at them. And then all of a sudden, I, I said, of course, I, I see it happening, and I did the smart thing. I went and got Ray. <laughs> So Ray walks in there, and of course he's kind of, he's just as big, cowboy hat on, you know how he looked, tall Texan. He steps right up to the guy, and, and he disarms this whole situation and pulls the guy privately into his office and has this, has this conversation about the gospel. I mean, I, he was just ready on the spot, and somehow or another could connect and love on folks. And many people that everybody else gave up on. And Ray would say, oh, he'll come around one day. He'll come around. Taught me to love people. I say taught me, still teaching me. I'm still trying to learn. We're all still learning, right? None of us have everything down. But he taught me to love folks. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13... One of the most famous sections, of course, of the Bible. I thought I just want to read this passage. Because there's an interesting thing. This, this chapter on love is written right in the middle of a church having all kinds of problems. All kinds of division. That, uh, from the very beginning, he's told them in 1 Corinthians 1, I want you to be of one heart and one purpose, one mind and one thought. And they were struggling with that. And so Paul's writing them. He's writing They messed up some assemblies. They were being selfish. They're all kinds of misusing gifts that God had given them. All kinds of things. And right in the middle of it, when he's challenging these people to grow up and be mature about stuff, 
he writes this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames and have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects and always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child and I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Every thought is a seed. And if you plant crab apples, don't count on harvesting golden delicious. What we think in our mind affects our attitude in our heart. And we want to make sure we don't allow Satan to distract us with the noise of the world to get us off course in this thing of loving one another. Well, here's the take-home for you. Today, be sure and be thankful for faith. Whoever helped you, whoever encouraged you, whoever taught you, be thankful for faith and keep growing. We're not at the end of this thing. Be thankful for hope and keep encouraging. Encourage the brothers. Hug on them. Well, especially in difficult times. Let them know there's something better down the road. And be thankful for love. For God loved us first, remember? Be thankful for love and keep loving, folks. Keep acting in a loving way in all that you say and all that you do. You know, I appreciate social media in terms of communicating. Now, all of a sudden, I can communicate instantly with a ton of folks, right? Through Facebook or Twitter or all those kinds of things. And, and I, I, you know, it's here. Might as well try to make the best of it, right? We want to get positive stuff there. But it's amazing to me how that someone who would not dare tell you something to your face in person would say the ugliest things on a social media. And I thought, quit violating the principle of love just because you're not in front of somebody. Oh, talk real nice to you. That all of a sudden you get out here and hammer somebody in an unjust and mean-spirited way. 
Let that never be the people of God. Our spirit toward folks, everybody, is that we love everybody. And we need to treat people in a loving way. Regardless of how they treat us, regardless of whether we agree or disagree, regardless of what situation is in the world, we love everybody and we have to act in a loving way. We set the example. This church is the example. It is the shining light in a dark world. It's the shining star that people need to see that points them to God because of the good news of Jesus. He loved me first. How can I not love him and then express that love to everybody else? So be thankful. Be thankful for the fathers of your faith. Be thankful for the exposure you've had to godly people. Be thankful how that God is still working on you, right? The old song, he's still working on me. He really is. But never give in to the lies of Satan. You can have full assurance of your faith and you hold on to a hope. It's a strong expectation because you know God is able to perform whatever He promised. And until He does, we just keep loving everybody. Right? Sharing the good news with you. I'm thankful for these men. There are more men than just these three that are poured into my life. I have been so fortunate and blessed to be around and to work with such good, godly people, including our current staff. I'm telling you, they help me grow all the time. They're a blessing to this church. Encourage them. Be thankful for the hope that they're giving people in their ministries. And never forget, the power to save is the good news of Jesus. Not my gifts, not my skills, not my talents. It's not about me. It's not about our church. It's about Christ. We are His body on this earth. And whatever Jesus was busy doing in His body while He was here is what we ought to be be doing as the body of Christ. See hurt people? You help them. See folks? You love on them. You see a simple woman? You share with her. How she can have living water. How she can go and sin no more. You and I, as the body of Christ, are to respond to the people we're around as Christ. And that will make an impact on people's lives. Father, we love you. Thank you for the day. Thank you, Father. I thank you for Bill and Carl and Ray and others who have such an impact in my life. Thankful for my own father that you used to introduce me, Father, to the the church and expose me to where I could learn the Word. I'm thankful you rescued me out of the dark world. I'm thankful, Father, for this church and so many that they have rescued sharing the good news. And we pray, Father, for a great harvest in this city, in this state, and around the world as we stay focused on sharing the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Please help us to stay on purpose. Help us to stay, Father, focused 
on the greatest message that the world's ever known. And we know people need Jesus more than they need the next breath of fresh air. Help us to recognize opportunities and with joy share the good news that changes people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's a day you can come. If you've been away from the Father, I love Zach's encouragement. If you've been away from the Father, you can come back. Treat the Heavenly Father with respect and adoration. Maybe you're the older brother that's just not had the attitude right. You can, you can come to the Father. He's ready to celebrate when his sons and daughters come back to him. That's what our invitation is about. If you need to respond today, you can do so while we stand and sing.